0: Welcome to This Week in Medicine, your filtered medical journal summary. Looking to stay up to date with the latest medical research but short on time? This Week in Medicine has you covered. Our AI-generated podcast provides you with a convenient, on-the-go solution to keep you informed about the most significant developments in the medicine field. We understand that your time is valuable, so we've done the hard work for you. Each episode offers a filtered and concentrated summary of key journal articles, allowing you to stay informed without the need to sift through pages of research papers. With This Week in Medicine, listening is faster than reading, and you can consume valuable medical knowledge while commuting, exercising, or during your daily routine. The information provided in this podcast is for general informational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Hi, This Week in Medicine we will be discussing. First we will be discussing articles in name. Ferric carboxymaltose in heart failure with iron deficiency. Background. Ferric carboxymaltose therapy reduces symptoms and improves quality of life in patients who have heart failure with a reduced ejection fraction and iron deficiency. Additional evidence about the effects of ferric carboxymaltose on clinical events is needed. Methods. In this double-blind, randomized trial, We assigned ambulatory patients with heart failure, a left ventricular ejection fraction of 40% or less, and iron deficiency, in a 1-to-1 ratio, to receive intravenous ferric carboxymaltose or placebo, in addition to standard therapy for heart failure. Ferric carboxymaltose or placebo was given every 6 months as needed on the basis of iron indexes and hemoglobin levels. The primary outcome was a hierarchical composite of death within 12 months after randomization, hospitalizations for heart failure within 12 months after randomization, or change from baseline to 6 months in the 6-minute walk distance. The significance level was set at 0.01. Results We enrolled 3,065 patients, of whom 1,532 were randomly assigned to the ferric carboxymaltose group and 1,533 to the placebo group. Death by month 12 occurred in 131 patients, 8.6%, in the ferric carboxymaltose group and 158, 10.3%, in the placebo group, a total of 297 and 332 hospitalizations for heart failure, respectively, occurred by month 12, and the mean plus or minus change from baseline to 6 months in the 6-minute walk distance was 8 plus or minus 60 and 4 plus or minus 59 m, respectively, Wilcoxon man Whitney P equals 0.02, unmatched win ratio, 1.10, 99% confidence interval, 0.99 to 1.23. Repeated dosing of ferric carboxymaltose appeared to be safe with an acceptable adverse event profile in the majority of patients. The number of patients with serious adverse events occurring during the treatment period was similar in the two groups, 413 patients, 27.0%, in the ferric carboxymaltose group and 401, 26.2%, in the placebo group. Conclusion Among ambulatory patients who had heart failure with a reduced ejection fraction and iron deficiency, there was no apparent difference between ferric carboxymaltose and placebo with respect to the hierarchical composite of death, hospitalizations for heart failure, or 6-minute walk distance. Next article from JAMA. Comparison of hospital online price and telephone price for shoppable services. Objective, to compare hospitals' online cash prices for vaginal childbirth and brain magnetic resonance imaging, MRI, with prices offered to secret shopper callers requesting price estimates by telephone. This cross-sectional study included cash online prices from each hospital's website for vaginal childbirth and brain MRI collected from representative U.S hospitals between August and October 2022. Main outcomes and measures we calculated the difference between each hospital's online and phone prices for vaginal childbirth and brain MRI and the Pearson correlation coefficient, are between the online and phone prices for each procedure, among hospitals able to provide both prices. Results a total of 60 representative U.S. hospitals, 20 top-ranked, 20 safety net, and 20 non-top-ranked, non-safety net hospitals, were included in the analysis. For vaginal childbirth, 63%, 12 of 19, of top-ranked hospitals, 30%, 6 of 20, of safety net hospitals, and 21%, 4 of 19, of non-top-ranked, non-safety net hospitals provided both online and telephone prices. For brain MRI, 85%, 17 of 20, of top-ranked hospitals, 50%, 10 of 20, of safety net hospitals, and 100%, 20 of 20, of non-top-ranked, non-safety net hospitals provided prices both online and via telephone. Online prices and telephone prices for both procedures varied widely. For example, Online prices for vaginal childbirth posted by top-ranked hospitals ranged from $0 to $55,221, mean $23,040, from $4,361 to $14,377, mean $10,925, for safety net hospitals, and from $1,183 to $30,299, mean $15,861, for non-top-ranked non-safety net hospitals. Among the 22 hospitals providing prices both online and by telephone for vaginal childbirth, prices were within 25% of each other for 45%, 10, hospitals, while 41%, 9, of hospitals had differences of 50% or more, Pearson R equals 0.118. Among the 47 hospitals providing both online and phone prices for brain MRI, Prices were within 25% of each other for 66%, 31, of hospitals, while 26%, and equals 12, had differences of 50% or more, Pearson R equals minus 0.169. Among hospitals that provided prices both online and via telephone, there was a complete match between the online and telephone prices for vaginal childbirth in 14%, 3 of 22, of hospitals and for brain MRI in 19%. 9 of 47, of hospitals. Conclusions and relevance findings of this cross sectional study The findings also highlight the continued challenges for uninsured patients and others who attempt a comparison shop for healthcare. Next article from Annals of Internal Medicine. Role of artificial intelligence in colonoscopy detection of advanced neoplasias. Background. The role of computer aided detection in identifying advanced colorectal neoplasia is unknown. Objective. To evaluate the contribution of computer aided detection to colonoscopic detection of advanced colorectal neoplasias as well as adenomas, serrated polyps, and nonpolypoid and right sided lesions. Design. Multicenter, parallel, randomized controlled trial. Setting. Spanish colorectal cancer screening program. Participants. 3,213 persons with a positive fecal immunochemical test. Intervention. Enrollees were randomly assigned to colonoscopy with or without computer aided detection. Measurements. Advanced colorectal neoplasia was defined as advanced adenoma and or advanced serrated polyp. Results The two comparison groups showed no significant difference in advanced colorectal neoplasia detection rate, 34.8% with intervention versus 34.6% for controls, adjusted risk ratio R, 1.01, 95% C, 0.92 to 1.10, or the mean number of advanced colorectal neoplasias detected per colonoscopy, 0.54, SD, 0.95, with intervention versus 0.52, SD, 0.95, for controls, adjusted rate ratio, 1.04, 99.9% C, 0.88 to 1.22. Adenoma detection rate also did not differ, 64.2% 64.2% with intervention versus 62.0% for controls, R, 1.06, 99.9% C, 0.91 to 1.23. Computer-rated detection increased the mean number of non lesions, 0.56, SD, 1.25, versus 0.47, SD, 1.18, for controls, adjusted rate ratio, 1.19, 99.9% C, 1.01 to 1.41, proximal adenomas, 0.94, SD, 1.62, versus 0.81, SD, 1.52, for controls, adjusted rate ratio, 1.17, 99.9% C, 1.03 to 1.33, and lesions of 5 mm or smaller, polyps in general and adenomas and serrated lesions in particular, detected per colonoscopy. Limitations. The high adenoma detection rate in the control group may limit the generalizability of the findings to endoscopists with low detection rates. Conclusion. computer aided detection did not improve colonoscopic identification of advanced colorectal neoplasias. Next article from Nature Medicine: MDMA-assisted therapy for moderate to severe PTSD, a randomized, placebo-controlled phase three trial. This multi-site, randomized, double-blind, confirmatory phase three study evaluated the efficacy and safety of 3,4-methylenedioxymethamphetamine-assisted therapy mdma at versus placebo with identical therapy in participants with moderate to severe post-traumatic stress disorder (PTSD). Changes in clinician administered PTSD scale for DSM 5, CAPS 5, total severity score, primary endpoint, and Sheehan disability scale, SDS, functional impairment score, key secondary endpoint, were assessed by blinded independent assessors. Participants were randomized to MDMA at N equals 53, or placebo with therapy, N equals 51. Overall, 26.9%, 28, 104, of participants had moderate PTSD, and 73.1%, 76-104, of participants had severe PTSD. Participants were ethno-racially diverse, 28 of 104, 26.9%, identified as Hispanic-slash-Latino, and 35 of 104, 33.7%, identified as other than white. Lease squares, LS, mean change in CAPS 5 score, 95% confidence interval, C, was minus 23.7, minus 26.94, minus 20.44, for MDMA at versus minus 14.8, minus 18.28, minus 11.28, for placebo with therapy, P less than 0.001, D equals 0.7. LS mean change in SDS score, 95% C, was minus 3.3, minus 4.03, minus 2.60, for MDMA at versus minus 2.1, minus 2.89, minus 1.33, for placebo with therapy, P equals 0.03, D equals 0.4. Seven participants had a severe treatment emergent adverse event, TEE, MDMA at, N equals 5, 9.4%, placebo with therapy, N equals 2, 3.9%. There were no deaths or serious Ts. These data suggest that MDMA reduced PTSD symptoms and functional impairment in a diverse population with moderate to severe PTSD and was generally well tolerated. (music) Next article from BMJ. Preconception Contraceptive Use and Miscarriage Prospective Cohort Study Objectives to Evaluate the Association Between Preconception Contraceptive Use and Miscarriage Design Prospective Cohort Study Setting residents of the United States of America or Canada, recruited from 2013 until the end of 2022. Participants 13460 female identified participants aged 21 to 45 years who were planning a pregnancy were included of whom 8,899 conceived. Participants reported data for contraceptive history, early pregnancy, miscarriage and potential confounders during preconception and pregnancy. Main outcome measure miscarriage defined as pregnancy loss before 20 weeks of gestation. Results preconception use of combined and progestin-only oral contraceptives, hormonal intrauterine devices, copper intrauterine devices, rings implants or natural methods was not associated with miscarriage compared with use of barrier methods participants who most recently used patch incidence rate ratios 1.34 95 percent confidence interval 0.81 to 2.21 or injectable contraceptives 1.44 0.99 to 2.12 had higher rates of miscarriage compared with recent users of barrier methods although results were imprecise due to the small numbers of participants who used patch and injectable contraceptives. Conclusions use of most contraceptives before conception was not appreciably associated with miscarriage rate. Individuals who used patch and injectable contraceptives had higher rates of miscarriage relative to users of barrier methods, although these results were imprecise and residual confounding was possible. Next article from Lancet: Sex-related differences in functional capacity and its implications in risk stratification before major non-cardiac surgery. Background: Poor functional capacity has been identified as an important modifiable risk factor for post-operative complications. Cardiopulmonary exercise testing (CPET) provides objective parameters of functional capacity, for example, oxygen consumption at peak exercise (peak VO2). With significant prognostication for postoperative complications. However, sex-specific thresholds for functional capacity to predict surgical risk are yet to be established. Therefore, we performed a post-hoc analysis of the International, Multi-Center, Prospective Observational METS, measurement of exercise tolerance before surgery, study to evaluate if sex-specific thresholds of peak VO2 improve risk prediction of postoperative complications. Methods we undertook a post-hoc analysis, REC-71824-PMCC, of the MET study, which was performed between March 2013 and March 2016. We investigated whether sex-specific differences exist for CPA-derived parameters and associated thresholds for predicting postoperative complications in this large cohort of patients that had major non-cardiac surgery, and equals 1,266. Findings Female patients, N equals 480, had a lower mean, SD, peak VO2 than males, 16.7, 4.9 milliliter kg minus 1 minute minus 1 versus 21.2, 6.5 milliliter kg minus 1 minute minus 1, P less than 0.001, and a lower postoperative complication rate, 10.4% versus 15.3%, P equals 0.01e, than males and equals 786. The optimal peak VO2 threshold for predicting postoperative complications was 12.4 milliliters kg-1 minute-1 for females and 22.3 milliliters kg-1 minute-1 for males, respectively. In the multivariable regression model, low non-sex specific peak VO2 did not independently predict postoperative complications. In contrast, Low sex specific peak VO2 was an independent predictor of post operative complications, or 2.29, 95% C, 1.60, 3.30, P less than 0.001. The optimism corrected AUC rock of the sex specific model was higher compared with the non sex specific model, 0.73 versus 0.7, the Long's test, P equals 0.021. The sex-specific model classified 39% of the patients more correctly than the baseline model, NRI equals 0.39, 95% C, 0.24, 0.55. In contrast, the non-sex-specific model only classified 9% of the patients more correctly when compared against the baseline model, NRI equals 0.09, 95% C, minus 0.04, 0.22. Interpretation Our data report sex-specific differences in preoperative CPA-derived functional capacity parameters. Sex-specific peak VO2 thresholds identify patients at increased risk for postoperative complications with a higher discriminatory ability than a sex-unspecific threshold. As such, sex-specific threshold values should be considered in preoperative CPA to potentially improve risk stratification and to guide surgical decision-making including eligibility for surgery, preoperative optimization strategies, prehabilitation, or seeking non-surgical options. Next article from Journal of Clinical Oncology. Bladder sparing treatment with radical dose radiotherapy is an effective alternative to radical cystectomy in patients with clinically node positive nonmetastatic bladder cancer. Purpose: Bladder sparing trimodal therapy (TMT) is an alternative to radical cystectomy (RC) according to international guidelines. However, there are limited data to guide management of nonmetastatic clinically node positive bladder cancer (CN m 0 we performed a multi-center retrospective analysis of survival outcomes in node-positive patients to inform practice. Methods Data from patients diagnosed with CN plus m 0 k were collected from participating UK oncology centers offering both TMT and RC. Overall survival, OS, and progression-free survival, PFS, outcomes were collected with details of treatment and clinical factors. Results A total of 287 patients with CN plus m 0 co were included in the survival analysis. Median OS across all patients was 1.55 years, 95% C, 1.35 to 1.82 years. Receiving radical treatments was associated with improved OS, hazard ratio, HR, 0.32, 95% C, 0.23 to 0.44, P less than 0.001. Compared with receiving palliative treatment. Radically treated patients, N equals 163, received RC, N equals 76, or radical dose radiotherapy, RT, N equals 87. Choice of radical treatment showed no association with OS, HR, 0.94, 95% C, 0.63 to 1.41, P equals 0.76, or PFS, HR, 0.74. C, 0.50 to 1.08, P equals 0.12, on multivariable analysis. Conclusion Patient cohorts with CN plus M0-CA had equivalent survival outcomes whether treated with surgery or radical RT. Given the known morbidities of RC in a patient group with poor survival, this study confirms that bladder-sparing TMT treatment should be a treatment option available to all patients with CN plus M0-CA. Next article from Clinical Infectious Diseases. Cholesterol contributes to risk, severity, and machine learning driven diagnosis of Lyme disease. Background Lyme disease is the most prevalent vector borne disease in the U.S., yet its host factors are poorly understood and diagnostic tests are limited. We evaluated patients in a large health system to uncover cholesterol's role in the susceptibility, severity, and machine learning based diagnosis of Lyme disease. Methods. A longitudinal health system cohort comprised one of 1,9175 individuals with electronic health record data and 5,329 with linked genetic data. Associations of blood cholesterol level, cholesterol genetic scores comprising common genetic variants, and burden of rare loss of function, LOF, variants in cholesterol metabolism genes with Lyme disease were investigated. A portable machine learning model was constructed and tested to predict Lyme disease using routine lipid and clinical measurements. Results There were 3,832 cases of Lyme disease. Increasing cholesterol was associated with greater risk of Lyme disease, and hypercholesterolemia was more prevalent in Lyme disease cases than in controls. Cholesterol genetic scores and rare LOF variants in CD36 and LDLR were associated with Lyme disease risk. Serological profiling of cases revealed parallel trajectories of rising cholesterol and immunoglobulin levels over the disease course, including marked increases in individuals with loft variants and high cholesterol genetic scores. The machine learning model predicted Lyme disease solely using routine lipid panel, blood count, and metabolic measurements. Conclusions These results demonstrate the value of large-scale genetic and clinical data to reveal host factors underlying infectious disease biology, risk, and prognosis and the potential for their clinical translation to machine learning diagnostics that do not need specialized assays. Next article from Journal of Infectious Diseases Impact of HCV Testing and Treatment on HCV Transmission Among Men Who Have Sex With Men and Who Inject Drugs in San Francisco, A Modeling Analysis Background Men who have sex with men who ever injected drugs, ever MSME do carry a high hepatitis C virus, HCV, burden. We estimated whether current HCV testing and treatment in San Francisco can achieve the 2030 World Health Organization, WHO, HCV elimination target on HCV incidence among ever-MSM EU. Methods A dynamic hcv hiv transmission model among MSM was calibrated to San Francisco data, including HCV antibody, 15.5 percent, 2011 and HIV prevalence, 32.8 percent, 2017, among ever MSM EU. MSM had high HCV testing, 79% to 86% ever tested, 2011 to 2019, and diagnosed MSM had a high HCV treatment, 65% ever treated, 2018. Following coronavirus disease 2019, COVID-19 related lockdowns, HCV testing and treatment decreased by 59%. Results. Among all MSM, 43% of incident HCV infections in 2022 were EDU-related. Among ever MSM EDU in 2015, HCV incidence was 1.2 100s person-years, 95% credibility interval, pre, 0.8 to 1.6. Assuming COVID-19-related declines in HCV testing-slash-treatment persist until 2030, HCV incidence among ever MSM EDU will decrease by 84.9%. Cree, 72.3% to 90.8%, over 2015 to 2030. This decline is largely attributed to HCV testing and treatment, 75.8%, 95% Cree, 66.7% to 89.5%. Slightly greater decreases in HCV incidence, 94% to 95%, are projected if COVID-19 disruptions recover by 2025 or 2022 conclusions we estimate that hcv incidence will decline by more than 80% over 2015 to 2030 among ever msm edu in san francisco achieving the who target <music> next article from journal of clinical rheumatology Patterns of involvement of the hand joints in classical rheumatoid arthritis. Background. Symmetrical involvement of the hand joints is described as characteristic of rheumatoid arthritis, RA. Quantitative data on specific patterns of involvement are lacking. Objective. The Brigham rheumatoid arthritis sequential study was created for observational studies of patients with RA and afforded a unique opportunity to answer these questions. Methods. Of 1,598 subjects in the Brigham Rheumatoid Arthritis Sequential Study Cohort, 535 met the following criteria, 1. disease duration of 7 years or greater, 2. seropositive; and, 3. hand radiographs available. Patterns in specific hand joints based on physical examination and radiographic findings obtained at entry were identified. The level of symmetry of involvement of the metacarpophalangeal, MCP, and wrist joints was determined, as was the correlation between findings on physical examination and radiographic changes in the hand joints. Results The prevalence of joint space narrowing and or erosions in each proximal interphalangeal PIP, joints ranged between 11% and 18%. Joint space narrowing and or erosions in the MCPs increased radially from the fifth to the second finger. Swelling and tenderness on physical examination of both the PIPs and MCPs also increased radially although the positive predictive value of physical examination as an indicator of joint damage decreased radially. The wrist was the most common joint involved both by physical examination, 67%, and radiographically, 70%. The right side was more involved radiographically. Analysis of radiographic changes in individual patients revealed that symmetrical findings in the wrists and MCPs occurred in only 67% of patients. Conclusions The study describes the pattern of involvement of the hand joints in patients with long-standing RA. Findings of interest include symmetrical involvement in only 67% of patients, and a discordancy between physical findings and radiographic changes most marked in the more radial PIP joint. Next article from Circulation Biodegradable Polymer or Durable Polymer Stents in Patients at High Bleeding Risk – A Randomized, Open-Label Clinical Trial Background Limited information is available on the comparative efficacy and safety of different stent platforms in patients at high bleeding risk undergoing an abbreviated dual antiplatelet therapy duration after percutaneous coronary intervention, PCI. The aim of this study was to compare the safety and effectiveness of the biodegradable polymer cyrolimus eluting stent with the durable polymer zoterolimus eluting stent in patients at high bleeding risk receiving one month of dual antiplatelet therapy after PCI. Methods The BioFlowDAP study is an international, randomized, open-label trial conducted at 52 interventional cardiology hospitals in 18 countries from February 24, 2020, through September 20, 2021. Patients with a clinical indication to PCI because of acute or chronic coronary syndrome who fulfilled one or more criteria for high bleeding risk were eligible for enrollment. Patients were randomized to receive either biodegradable polymer sirolimus eluding stents or durable polymer, slow-release sodirolimus eluding stents after successful lesion preparation, followed by one month of dual antiplatelet therapy and thereafter single antiplatelet therapy. The primary outcome was the composite of death from cardiac causes, myocardial infarction, or stent thrombosis at one year, and was powered for non-inferiority with an absolute margin of 4.1% at one-sided 5% alpha. Results: A total of 1,948 patients at high bleeding risk were randomly assigned, one to one, to receive biodegradable polymer sirolimus-eluting stents, 969 patients, or durable polymer zotarolimus-eluting stents. 979 patients. At one year, the primary outcome was observed in 33 of 969 patients, 3.6%, in the biodegradable polymer Cyrolimus eluding stent group, and in 32 of 979 patients, 3.4%, in the durable polymer zotarolimus eluding stent group. Risk difference, 0.2 percentage points, upper boundary of the one sided 95% C, 1.8. Upper boundary of the one sided 97.5% C, 2.1, P less than 0. 0.0001 for non inferiority for both tests. Conclusions Among patients at high risk for bleeding who received one month of dual antiplatelet therapy after PCI, the use of biodegradable polymer sirolimus eluding stents was non inferior to the use of durable polymer zotarolimus eluding stents with regard to the composite of death from cardiac causes, myocardial infarction or thrombosis. Next article from ACC latest in cardiology. LDLC reduction with lipid lowering therapy for primary prevention of major vascular events among older individuals. Background. Reducing low-density lipoprotein, LDL, cholesterol with lipid-lowering therapy has consistently been shown to lower the risk of cardiovascular disease in primary prevention trials where the majority of individuals are aged less than 70 years. For older individuals, however, evidence is less clear. Objectives In this study, the author sought to compare the clinical effectiveness of lowering LDL cholesterol by means of lipid-lowering therapy for primary prevention of cardiovascular disease among older and younger individuals in a Danish nationwide cohort. Methods We included individuals aged greater than or equal to 50 years who had initiated lipid-lowering therapy from January 1, 2008 to October 31, 2017, had no history of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease and had a baseline and a within-1-year LDL cholesterol measurement. We assessed the associated risk of major vascular events among older individuals, greater than or equal to 70 years, by HRs per 1 mmol-slash-L reduction in LDL cholesterol compared with younger individuals, less than 70 years. Results For both the 16,035 older and the 49,155 younger individuals, The median LDL cholesterol reduction was 1.7 millimoles slash L. Each 1 millimoles slash L reduction in LDL cholesterol in older individuals was significantly associated with a 23% lower risk of major vascular events, HR 0.77, 95% C, 0.71 to 0.83, which was equal to that of younger individuals, HR 0.76, 95% C, 0.71 to 0.80, p value for difference equals 0.79. Similar results were observed across all secondary analyzes. Conclusions Our study supports a relative clinical benefit of lowering LDL cholesterol for primary prevention of major vascular events in individuals aged greater than or equal to 70 years similarly as in individuals aged less than 70 years. Next article from Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism The Prevalence of Metabolically Unhealthy Normal Weight and Its Influence on the Risk of Diabetes Objective To conduct the first nationally representative study on epidemiological data of metabolically unhealthy normal weight, MUNW, focused only on non-diabetic subjects and determine the predictive effect on diabetes in China. Methods a longitudinal study was conducted using data from the rich healthcare group in China. Metabolic status was determined by the revised National Cholesterol Education Program Adult Treatment Panel 3 criteria, and individuals with two or more criteria were categorized as MUN and diagnosed with metabolic syndrome, METS, if they met three or more. Results Of a total of 63,830 non-diabetic normal weight individuals, 8,935 14.0%, were classified as MUN in 1916, 3.00%, were diagnosed with METS. After adjusting for potential confounders, individuals with MUN had a greater diabetes risk, 4.234, 95% C3.089-5.803, to 5.803, than those without MUN during an average of 3.10 years of follow-up. Also, the multivariable adjusted hazard ratios for developing diabetes were 3.069, 95% C1.790 to 5.263, 7.990, 95% C4.668 to 13.677, and 11.950, 95% C6.618 to 21.579, for participants with 1, 2, and 3 or more components, respectively compared with those without any components. Further analyzes suggested that the number of METS components present is associated with the risk of diabetes, especially in metabolically unhealthy normal weight young male adults. Multivariable adjusted hazard ratios, 95% C, for incident diabetes among individuals with 1, 2, and at least 3 components were 4.45, 1.45 to 13.72, 9.82, 3.05 to 31.64, and 15.13, 3.70 to 61.84, for participants aged less than or equal to 44 years, and 3.55, 1.81 to 6.97, 8.52, 4.34 to 16.73, and 13.69, 6.51 to 28.77, for male participants, respectively. Conclusions The prevalence of MUN is 14% in Chinese normal-weight non-diabetic individuals, and active intervention is necessary for this category of people. The presence of MUN significantly increases the risk of diabetes, and the risk of diabetes is associated with the number of METS components present in the patient. From the Clinical Journal of Nephrology, discrepancies between cystatin C-based and creatinine-based eGFR. Background: Recent guidance suggests clinicians increase use of cystatin C for the estimation of GFR. Discrepant levels of creatinine versus cystatin C-based eGFR, eGFR EECFER versus eGFRs, can occur and might signify inaccurate estimation of GFR using creatinine alone. This study sought to enhance the knowledge of the risk factors and clinical implications of having a large for discrepancy. Methods Participants in the Atherosclerosis Risk in Communities Study, a prospective cohort study of U.S. adults, were followed over 25 years. for discrepancy was measured at five clinical visits and defined as EECFERCs either 30% lower or higher than EECFERC, the current clinical standard of care. The associations between E for discrepancies and kidney-related laboratory parameters were assessed using linear and logistic regression and long-term adverse outcomes, including kidney failure, Aki, heart failure, and death, using Cox proportional hazards models. Results Among 13,197 individuals, mean age 57, SD6, years, 56% women, 25% black race, 7% 7% had Eekversies 30% lower than eGFR at visit 2, 1990 to 1992, and this proportion increased over time to 23% by visit 6, 2016 to 2017. By contrast, the percent with Eekversies 30% higher than Eekferker was relatively stable, 3% to 1%. Independent risk factors for having Eekversies 30% lower than Eekferker included older age, female sex, non-black race, Higher EGFRCHR, higher body mass index, weight loss, and current smoking. Those with is 30% lower than EGFRCHR from Kidney International reports. Randomized controlled clinical trial of the effect of treatment with vitamin K2 on vascular calcification in hemodialysis patients, Trevisk HDK introduction. Vitamin K deficiency among patients on hemodialysis, HD, affects the function of matrix GLA protein, MGP a potent vitamin K dependent inhibitor of vascular calcification vc methods we conducted a single center randomized controlled trial rct on maintenance hd patients to examine if vitamin k2 supplementation can reduce progression of coronary artery calcification cac over an 18 month study period patients were randomized to vitamin k2 group receiving menaquinone 7360g 3 times/wk or control group the primary outcome was CAC scores at the end of the study period. The secondary outcomes were aortic valve calcification, AVC, carotid femoral pulse wave velocity, CFPWV, aortic augmentation index, X, dephosphorylated undercarboxylated MGP, dp levels, major adverse cardiac events, MACE and vascular access events. Results. Of the 178 patients randomized, Follow up was completed for 138 patients. The CAC scores between the two groups were not statistically different at the end of 18 months, relative mean difference, RMD, 0.85, 95% C0.55 to 1.31. The secondary outcomes did not differ significantly in AVC, RMD 0.82, 95% C0.34 to 1.98, CFPWV. Absolute Mean Difference, AMD, 0.55, 95% C-0.50 to 1.60 and X, AMD 0.13, 95% C-3.55 to 3.80. Supplementation with vitamin K2 did reduce DP UCM Jeep levels, AMD-86, 95% C-854 to-117. The composite outcome of MACE and mortality was not statistically different between the two groups, hazard ratio equals 0.98, 95% C0.50-1.94. Conclusion This study did not demonstrate a beneficial effect of vitamin K2 in reducing progression of Vc in this population at the study dose and duration. Thank you for listening to This Week in Medicine, your filtered medical journal summary. Have a great week.